the press box with Brad and John. It makes it more competitive. The perfect way to get through your morning. Every time he opens his mouth, something irritating comes out. Weekdays from 9 to noon on The Roar. Where every day is game day. We're back here live on The Roar at the Press Box with Brad and John. Thank you for joining us today. Hour two gets started here on Leap Day. John's birthday. Big happy birthday to him. We've got Jason Priester coming up bottom of this hour. And we'll get into what he saw at Clemson's practice yesterday, what he heard from Coach Sweeney. So stay tuned for that coming up in the next segment. Uh, some injury updates from the head coach yesterday of the Clemson Tigers. In case you missed it, Sherrod uh, Koval, who we discussed a little bit yesterday, uh, is doing well. Uh, he'll be good to go by August. So I don't think there's any concern that he's going to be slowed in terms of uh, the start of the season, but he's still working his way back. I mean, obviously, you tear your ACL in November, you're not expected to be to be out there uh, for spring ball. So will not be a full participant by any stretch in spring practice. Uh, Jaden Lucas is also out, John. He's going to miss the spring uh, after having hip surgery. You know, you mentioned it yesterday. He's seemingly never, he's never, well, he hasn't, not seemingly. He's never gone through a full spring since he's been at Clemson. And that, I mean, that hurts development. That hurts growth a little bit. You know, you hope health-wise he gets back out there as soon as he possibly can. Doesn't sound like Walker Parks is going to do a whole lot this spring. He's still, I don't know what you want to call it, recovering? Yeah. Is that Yeah, he had, he had surgery in the fall, yeah. Uh, he's going to be, they hope at some point in the spring he can participate some, but I don't, I, I think they said he's not going to do any heavy contact. No, he stuff. said it would be individual. Yeah. Individual drills, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, freshman offensive lineman Watson Young tore his ACL. So that's, it's a big blow to him uh, to start his Clemson career. Yeah. Hate that for him. You know, he was a late addition. He's one of the later additions, yeah. wasn't he, to this, uh, to this freshman class. That is correct. Uh, Armin Mason has a stress fracture. He's going to be out in the spring. It's another guy that we thought would have some say in one of the defensive end positions. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the other reasons they moved Peter Woods over there. Could be part of the equation, definitely. So, yeah. Uh, Tyler Brown has had surgery on his foot. Um, trying to get him back this spring. I'm, again, we told you this was going to happen. It's, you know, everybody gets some work done season. But look at how many more participants you have in that wide receiver room than you did a year ago. Yeah. Uh, the freshman running back, Izomame, is out with a hamstring injury right now. So I don't know when he's going to return. Very tricky, obviously. That's you don't, you don't want to rush that. Yeah, there's no reason to. No. You know, you don't, he doesn't have to go through a whole lot. You can get a lot of mental reps right now. Um. That's some other guys that are just sort of banged up and seeing where they're going to be. You know, Strozier had surgery. You mentioned him yesterday. You know, he had surgery back in November. He'll be out there sometime in the spring. Uh, Gibson, Corey Gibson, uh, is going to miss the spring. So, <laughs> it's, it's this is not uncommon. This is not like a bad thing. I mean, it's not. It's never a good thing to have players hurt, but. This isn't like a, a shock to the system. Right. This is not a solely Clemson problem or a Clemson issue. Yeah. You know, and, and they, the way the calendar falls now, 
you get that work done in December and January. Some, some guys want to wait till the season's over. They want to finish out their their year, and then some guys, you know, didn't need January and February to heal. Yeah, and maybe you like in a perfect world as a rehabbing, maybe you would have them back by late March to practice. But at that point, why? You've only got you know a couple of weeks left in in the spring. You know, and and, and you're not going to play those guys in the spring game. Correct. There's no reason for that. So take unnecessary risk with those guys. So that was just some of the updates. And we'll talk more about that with Jason coming up here, uh, bottom of the hour. But any was any of that surprising or take you by, you know, take, no. take you by surprise? No. Um, very rarely does the announcement of the surgeries really have a shock to the system anymore at this point. Okay. Because it's now, it's, I've, they just factored as part of the calendar. You know, yep. and, and I, I guess I, I just I I'm going to I kind of chose this approach a few years ago when this started becoming a thing. Instead of being upset, for example, we talked uh, second team running back yesterday. Instead of being upset that Ezio Mame is not going through spring right now because the hamstring injury, I'm going to focus on the ability or the time and the snaps. This is going to give Jarvis Green, Keith Adams Jr. You know, so on and so forth. Jay Haynes and those guys. Does that maybe answer the question whether the freshman could be? We had this question yesterday. Could he be? Could he be an impact player day one? Does this? It, it, it makes it more of an uphill battle. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't just, rule just, it out. Yeah. Because I mean, if he gets on the field and he's just outperforms him, you know, then you know he's going to get the ball. But you know, we talked about this a lot last year. It was two years ago. Whatever. Maybe it was two years ago when the spring where Moffa was the only running back that went through. Spring ball, and how much better it it helped him because he got all of the reps at that position through fifteen practices. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, it doesn't mean he can't impact. It just means it might it may not be day one. We'll see. Six five four roar. You want to get in with us, uh, John? Before we have Jason on. Let's hit on some of the other news coming out of the college football world. The powers that be in the sport are contemplating a 14-team playoff. This will be an expansion of the 12. It would go into effect in 2026 when the new television contract kicks in. And the idea behind the 14-team playoff right now, now this, again, this is going to be challenged. It's going to be debated it's going to be talked about with the the presidents and the chancellors and the commissioners and all that are involved in making these these decisions. But right now, the idea that's been floated out there and it's on the table is having three automatic bids, automatic, not at large, automatic bids for the SEC, three automatic bids for the Big Ten, two automatic bids for the ACC, two automatic bids for the Big 12, one for the group of five, and then three at large spots slash Notre Dame. And I do slash because from the way that I read it, Notre Dame would need to be inside the top fifteen. They need to be in that in that fourteen or you know higher. That's not going to be hard most seasons for Notre Dame. I don't think. So technically I would say it's more like two at large bids. Unless, you know, the landscape changes with the Irish. Sure. This is, uh, when I first saw this, I, I was surprised. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is the SEC and the Big Ten dictating policies and rules and regulations and running the show. 
But then I was like, why am I surprised? I told you this was happening. We yeah. talked about it last week. They didn't form this little alliance to uh, to get together and have, you know. It wasn't for scheduling agreements like the last alliance. No. Well, that last alliance was just to block the SEC I know. from running. But they told us we were going to have all these great scheduling agreements moving forward. Yeah, that was a lie. This group has made it very clear, very clear, very early, that they're going to dictate the future of the sport. There's no if ands, or buts about it. There's no way around it. Yeah. We this is sort of the official, officially official statement that this sport is run by the SEC and the Big Ten. And what's the ACC supposed to do? They, can they fight it? Can they challenge it? They can try. You know, they can put what? up a uh they they Jim Phillips can release a, a press statement. Yeah. Because that always does yeah, it does nothing. Yeah. And why why would the ACC waste their time fighting this when they're currently fighting everything else that they're fighting? And that's what I said was going to happen. That they weren't going to have bargaining power. They weren't going to be able to say no. We're not going to do that. SEC and Big Ten, because they're gonna, they're going to look at you and go, you can't even get your house in order. You don't even know who's going to be in your league in five years. You're being sued by a member of your league. You get no power. You get no say. You're lucky we're giving you two. Are they lucky that they're getting two? Is that an argument that that you would buy if someone were selling that? Yeah, I, okay. I kind of would. Honestly, I one. I'm glad that we actually kind of know who's dictating the terms in the sport now. Yeah, we've we've pulled back the curtain and, and quit pretending. That's fine with me. At least we know who's who's pulling the strings here. We don't have to operate under the facade anymore. I I hate I hate the facade. The facade. I, I do too. It's it's nonsense. At least we know who's in charge. Okay, that's great. Yeah. We can stop saying it's the NCAA. All right, they're not in charge. These two conferences are. We can also quit pretending that it's an equal decision based on four leagues. It used to be five. It's not. It hasn't been for a long time. And it was never going to be. We just pretended. We as in college football society. Not you and I. That being said, they could have done this a lot worse to the ACC and the Big 12 specifically. In my uh, opinion. I still don't like that thought. but I don't like the thought either, but... I think it it could be worse. It definitely could be worse. Because it's... I like the fact that they're putting automatic qualifiers on the table versus the the very just open-ended nonsense that they can pick and choose and manipulate annually in their best interest. But there is something here, John, that just feels wrong about having terms dictated to you. I don't... I don't like it. But I think it's. I think the terms could be worse <laughs> when you don't have leverage. Uh, the the texture gets in and asks, why does it seem like everyone is mad about this proposal? John is not mad about this proposal. I'm. I was mad at first. I guess I'm sort of adopting it now and just sort of coming to terms that this is just the power structure now. But a texture says, didn't we want rules? Now we want the subjectivity back as soon as they. Make rules? No, not not necessarily. I'm not asking for that. No, I, I I'm the one who has wanted rules. Full stop. I want structure. But is it? But it's not equal structure. And you know what? The sport has never been fair and equal. We've said yes. that a gazillion times. So I'm not going to waste my energy complaining about why it's not fair. It was never going to be fair. It's never been fair. But it still feels gross to see two leagues get. One more bid than two other leagues. It's been gross for years. They've just been doing it in the shadows. And having other people do their dirty work out in public. Now we at least can 
can see it. But isn't it a slippery slope if you give this up? What what can you ever fight? You are now, you know, bending the knee and just accepting whatever the SEC and Big Ten deem is best for the sport. You have we we have been, no power. But we've been doing that for years. But they they've had something they could at least argue and fight and and demand that they weren't going to vote and demand things in in return and you know it, it, maybe it was a facade, but I still think the ACC and the Big Twelve had some say in this. I don't think. Well, I'm not gonna comment on Phillips. I, I don't think your mark like has ever walked into a room and gotten, you know, bulldozed. It's not that, you don't get to the the point of his life that you're just used to getting run over. Sure, and dictated terms to you have to make some concessions, and that's what smart people do in business. But this is more than just concessions. This is giving up your your voting power, and that's one of the reasons I think your mark was brought in because he looks at it from a very different avenue. He's looking at it from financially, it's about marketing. It's about branding. It's about narratives and concepts and things the league is trying to do. Not necessarily, we're going to fight till the bitter end to have power in the structure of college athletics. Yeah, you know, Texture brings up an interesting point. All projections only had the ACC getting one team in the playoffs. So if they went to no auto qualifier, the ACC potentially could get no teams in. That's, and that's true. That's what, that is kind of where I'm coming from. So that in a given year, they can look down upon you, which they will, and say you're not worthy enough for this. And then all of a sudden, those two bids, or those four bids in total between the two leagues, dwindle to three. I get this it. Two, then it's one, then it's not. And then they're, they're officially going and playing their own thing and no one else is invited. To your, I mean, your point is, is very solid. That takes something, something's better than nothing. But it's the slippery slope that gets me. I, I don't. I agree. I I don't like it. I'm not a fan of them being able to tell what that 32 universities are going to be able to tell the other hundred how to play the game. I don't love that. You know what? You know why this should be angering Clemson fans or ACC team fans? Why? Because we're already predetermining who the best conferences are before a season ever starts. Am I wrong? No. Is that not what we're doing? Oh no, you're you are. I didn't even think about that. You are a hundred percent right. The whole my conference is better than your conference thing. We just gave them data to prove it. Yeah, we gave them the power just to be it, not even to prove it. You don't have to prove it. You just do it now. I I don't I don't like how that plays out. Look, and to be let me be clear. This conversation has nothing to do with Clemson and Florida State right now. Because if I'm Clemson and Florida State, I'm out the door. Like, I'm sayonara. Well, you've been out the door. Peace out. Yeah. yeah. This just accelerates the process. I mean, another another thing to put on the list of reasons to go. Yeah. No, no one that cares about football is going to stay in this league. Period. They're just not. Correct. But you still have to operate under what's happening until you're out of the league. My point is you're just giving away... And Clemson and Florida State may be in one of those two conferences in five years. I don't know. That's not the point of of my argument. We're already determining the best leagues every year before the season even starts. The hierarchy is already predetermined. And there is no power anywhere else. And it starts with this. And where does it end? It doesn't. Oh, it'll never end. So why are we even masquerading with the idea of separate conferences. Just pull away, 
create an all-football-only league and get it over with because that's what this is. That's what this is. Could this be the whole thing of buying the time to figure out how, because I feel like all college athletics right now is about this, an antitrust lawsuit. Let's come back to that soon. First, we have Jason Priester to break down what happened at Clemson's football practice yesterday right for this. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Brakes? We can save you 15% on that. We have OE quality Duralask brake pads and rotors in stock, ready for pickup or delivery. We also have calipers, brake fluid, tools, and anything else you'll need to do the job right. When you get Duralask pads and rotors together, you'll save 15%. It's just part of what makes us America's number one brakes destination. Dream Center resale stores make it so easy to donate. Drop off clothing and household items at one of our four locations in the upstate, and an associate will unload your car and give you a receipt. You don't even have to get out of your car. If you have furniture or larger items you would like to get rid of, call our donation line to schedule a pickup. Visit the website for store locations, dreamcenterpc.org. Donate, shop, change lives. I'm Richard Thompson of Thompson & King Law Firm, and I believe that every person has a God-given desire to work. That's why I take Social Security and workers' compensation cases very seriously, because most folks don't really want to think they're disabled. They hesitate to file for disability, and when they're turned down, they hesitate to appeal their case. But they are disabled. If you're presently unable to work on a daily basis, even if you don't fully understand the cause, come see me. I'll take your case seriously. I know you do. The Thompson & King Law Firm, 222-0200, or online at thompsonking.com. Is your crawl space damp or musty? Water in your crawl space can cause wood to rot and creates an environment for mold and mildew that can make its way inside your home. Canty Foundation Specialist specializes in crawl space repair. Call us today for your free inspection so you can have the peace of mind knowing your crawl space is dry and your home is protected. Call today, 864-641-0176 or visit cantycanfixit.com. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, see for yourself why the team at Ralph Hayes Toyota and Anderson has been blocking out the competition for 75 years. PJ Hall here letting you know if you want to stay on time during the regular and postseason, Ralph Hayes Toyota has your next ride. From their certified pre-owned to all their new 2024 Toyotas, South Carolina's oldest Toyota dealer welcomes you. Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson. We wrote the book on price. Ralph Hayes Toyota. For over 36 years, Little John Portable Toilets has proudly served the upstate. From construction to special events, Little John Portable Toilets has you covered with worry-free toilet service, delivered, cleaned, and sanitized, serving the upstate and further when possible. Portable toilets, handicap, hand wash stations, holding tanks, executive restroom trailers. And if you have a question, we have a live person to talk with. Little John, family owned and operated. 800-499-5667 and at littlejohntoilets.com. Clemson Nation, this is former national champion Ben Boulware. If you live in Anderson, Greenville, Clemson, or Malden, South Carolina, and you're looking for the best birthday suit in town, come get tailored at www.thejunkyardfitness.com. Come by and see us at our four locations in the upstate of South Carolina. Your first week is always free.
Broadcasting live from the Upcountry Fiber Studios, this is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. So what exactly are the net rankings? I have no idea! Tune in every day until March as we try to figure it out. The Roar, where every day is game day. We're back here live on the Roar, the press box with Brad and John. Thanks for joining us today. We'll come back to that college football playoff 14 team thing. Uh, David Hale had an interesting tweet that I do want to comment on uh, coming up here in just a little bit, where he mentioned, you know, guaranteeing two playoff bids for the Big 12 and the ACC might seem like a win, but also be an outright admission that they are second class citizens compared with the Power Two. And while that may Seem clear already, it's another thing for those leagues to admit it. Are you wasting your money paying your commissioner gobs of cash to be a second-rate commissioner? That's a really good question. Let's discuss that after we talk to Jason. All right, let's go to Jason Priester from allclemsontigers.com. He was at Clemson's practice yesterday, and he'll share some observations and thoughts from what he saw. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. How about you guys? We're doing really well. Uh, we do want to get to football. I do want to circle back to baseball, though, and get your thoughts on the upcoming series before we get out of here with you today. So I uh, just wanted to go ahead and, and let you know we're going to ask you about that. But let's start with football. As you were out there at practice yesterday, first off, what stood out to you from what Dabo Sweeney had to say before the practice began? Uh, was there anything what, – what, what, what kind of mood did Coach seem in? Was there anything that stood out in terms of – of just how he, he expressed himself, everything he said. No, I thought he seemed pretty genuinely excited uh, about maybe the potential of this team. Man, he 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 boasted about how attentive they were and and how impressed he was that by that. But um, the, the biggest thing to me that probably stood out was you know, and I think we probably all saw it coming was talking about moving Peter Woods outside. Um, you know, the more I think about that thing, the more the more I, I start to like it. it. It allows you to get some of those other talented defensive tackles on the field, and Clemson's pretty deep there along the interior of that defensive line. Uh, it might be a move that, that, that pays off big for those guys, gets your four best defensive linemen on the field. Um, and to me, that was the biggest takeaway from what, from what we heard from Dabo Sweeney yesterday. All right, let's get your thoughts on Peter Woods. Uh, you you saw enough of him last year to know that he's a special player and that he's just a you know freak is the word that gets used a lot. But what do you anticipate seeing from him at defensive end? What kind of end do you think he he'll play in, in his role uh, with the Tigers in twenty twenty four? I think he's going to be very good out there. He's explosive. Um, you know he he's. His, he just oozes oozes talent. We all raved about his versatility during the recruiting process, about how he could play inside or outside. And now he's going to get that opportunity to kind of show that off, a la Christian Wilkins. You know, back during that playoff run, we saw him do it and have a lot of success. And I think Peter Woods can excel in that role. I think we'll probably still see him inside some. I think they'll probably use him at both, but – you know, he, he gives you, you know, he gives you the option to use him in a lot of different ways, the way, you, you know, he, he's just so versatile. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a fun move to watch and just see what kind of kind of defensive end he can play. Uh, let's go over to some observations, some things that you saw or noticed 
in practice yesterday. Let's start with that defensive side since we're since we're on it. Um, did you get a chance to see much from Chris Rump and Nick Eason working with with the D line? Anybody you know look slimmer, look faster? Any anything up front with those big guys? I thought um, Trey Williams looked pretty good for a guy that's not played a lot the past season. You know, he was out a lot with, with injuries last year, didn't play much. Um, looked like he was rolling, getting ready to roll back into action. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time watching the defensive ends. They moved outside for for, for a little while. But, um, you know, Chris Rumpf is a guy that he, he, he coaches those guys hard. And I, with, with Woods moving outside and T.J. Parker already in place, um, I thought A.J. Hoffler was a guy that looks like he's been putting in some work in the weight room. I think he, he's got a lot of potential and can see the field a lot this season. Um, Clemson doesn't have a lot of experience depth there at defensive end, but, but I, I'm not quite as concerned about it as I was two weeks ago now that you know that Peter Woods is absolutely making that move out there. All right. Go ahead and get the the fans fired up here. Uh, what did you make of Sammy Brown in his first Clemson practice? I did spend a lot of time watching him yesterday. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was the first time that, you know, I've seen him in person before, you know, but just, you know, on visits and those kind of things. Never seen him actually on the field in person, and it's impressive. He, he, he is so smooth. He just kind of oozes that it factor. It, if he could just soak up the playbook and everything they're going to be doing on the defensive side, which there's a lot that goes into playing Mike and this defense, but if he can soak that stuff up, it's going to be hard to keep that guy off the field. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you just look at a guy and you say, man, he, he is that guy, and that is Sammy Brown. He, he just moves so fluidly sideline to sideline. He just kind of makes it look easy. It was awfully impressive to see you in person for the first time. Jason, that's a, a a position that is probably the lightest, maybe in terms of experience, uh, maybe on the whole field. Uh, if they if Barrett Carter wasn't coming back and Wade Wood as, they'd be in even even huge trouble, even more trouble. But did it look that way? Did did they did it feel like a slimmer group in terms of of numbers? Or you know, when you're looking at some of these guys going, he ain't played a whole lot. What was your feel just watching the linebackers? Yeah, there's you know. It, it, if Barrett Carter would not have come back, yeah, you don't feel nearly as good about that linebacker group as you do with him being there. Um, it's not the deepest position on the field. That is absolutely true. But one guy that I thought stood out to me was D. Creighton. He okay. just looks different as opposed to last year. He, he's got a different look. He looks like a guy that's put in a lot of work in the weight room. Don't know if that translates onto the field or anything like that, but you could tell he is absolutely working on his craft. Um, you know, Kobe McLeod's a guy that, that could probably see some playing time this year, depending on how things shake out. Um, but yeah, it, it's not the deepest position, absolutely. Um, you, you, you need to cross your fingers and hope for a healthy year for some of those guys. Anything in the secondary stand out? You know, there's a lot of guys out. You know, Jaden Lucas, Gibson, There's there's some – Maybe some lighter numbers, but do you see anything in the secondary set out to you? Um, Ricardo Jones, I, I spent a little bit of time watching him yesterday. The, the freshman safety, um, he was the one I watched the most. He, he is long and freaky athletic. Um, the Clemson's kind of deep there at safety. I don't know where he'll fall into the pecking order of things, but 
he's a guy that I, I think has an extremely high ceiling. I thought Ricardo Jones looked a little bit heavier. Uh, another freshman said he looked a little bit heavier than I thought he was going to be getting here. So, so he looks like he's added some bulk. So those two freshmen, they stood out to me yesterday. Didn't spend a ton of time watching the DBs, but those were two guys that I did watch for a couple minutes, and they're they're impressive looking. Jason Priester from AllCompsandTigers.com joining us live here on The Roar this morning. Jason, over to the offensive side of the ball. What did Ryan Linthicum look like at center? Did it feel like there was any hiccups or any hesitancy there? Did, it, did things go smoothly in terms of him playing the uh, starting center role? Yeah, from what I could see, it looked like things went rather smoothly from the period I was watching. They were only doing some drill work and stuff. Matt Luke coaches those guys hard, man. That's going to be, you know, something to watch over the next few weeks. Um, they, they really seem to gravitate towards his coaching style. They 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 seem to really, you know, soak up what he's teaching. Um, it, that that's going to be a real storyline to follow as we go through the spring can can Ryan Lincecum start you know lock down that starting job at center um Harris Sewell was taking the second team reps in the little bit I, we got to watch yesterday or second team reps in the drills so to speak but I, I thought Lincecum looked you know pretty smooth in, in what I was able to see we'll see how that translates over the next few weeks though do you feel confident that he can be the starting center or is there maybe maybe some hesitancy there that you just you kind of need to see it play out. You know, I I, I kind of need to see it. You know, we we've not seen much of him. He came in, you know, he wasn't this big five star recruit coming out of high school or anything. But he was he was this guy that was fairly highly touted by at least one or two of the recruiting services. And you know, people a, a lot of fans have always asked, "Where's Ryan Lentzcom? Where's Ryan Lentzcom? Why ain't he playing?" And you know, some guys take longer to develop than others, but. It'll be interesting to see because I think Harris Sewell's a guy that's going to push him. Another guy that's got a ton of potential, got a lot of experience last year. Um, that that's going to be a battle that might stretch into the fall. We'll, we'll see if Lentz comes locked down that job, but until you see it, you just don't ever know. Speaking of seeing it, first time you got to see Bryant Wesco in a Clemson uniform. Uh, I saw some of the videos and folks or some some um, pictures. Looks a little slim. What what's what weight would you guess he's at, and and how much bulk does he need to put on? Yeah, he 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 absolutely still needs to add some more bulk before the season. We knew he was going to be a guy that was going to be a little on the slimmer side when he got here. Um, had heard some reports that he's put on a few pounds since he's been in town already. Looks like maybe he has, but he's still got a little ways to go. Um, I'm guessing he's. 180, 185, somewhere in that range right now. So you'd like to see him at least around 195 before the season gets here. But when you watch him, that speed, it is unquestionable, man. It just it just jumps right out at you. He can motor, man. He is, he is, gonna, he is so fast, it is impressive. Sticking with the receivers for a moment, I, I, I'm cautious this year. I'm not going to do this. I think by now we you kind of are who you are. I, there's still some development that can occur, but I'm not going to overhype Adam Randall, but it's a guy who I feel like opportunities continue to rise. I, I think he figured out who he was late in the year. Uh, watching him in the spring, it seems he always looks good. Was that the case yesterday uh, in terms of just how the now, was he junior now, um, looking his, in his third spring? Yeah, that that would absolutely be how I describe it. You know, he's been a great 
spring football player <laughs> so far for Clemson. But we just haven't seen it translate to the field yet. You know, we I think we've all probably seen that clip Clemson posted yesterday, of that one-handed grab he made. And that's kind of reminiscent of what I used to witness him do in high school. That is the Adam Randall that I am accustomed to seeing before he got to Clemson. It's just not – it's just not happened for him on the field yet. I think he, I think he dealt with some lack of confidence at times last year. I think those injuries affected him. I mean, he, he's he's a wild card this year, man. If he could if he could tap into all that potential he's got and put it all together, I, I still think he's got the talent to be a special player. It's just a matter of whether or not he can put it all together and make it happen on the field. Yes, that's uh, that's going to be the big key there. Uh, what about it running back? Obviously, we know Phil Moffa is the number one. Get anything out of the rest of the guys that you saw yesterday? Was there any sort of pecking order to the running back room? The the drills that I I watched yesterday, Phil Moffa, obviously the number one guy. Keith Adams Jr. was taking the second team rep, so to speak, and, and Jarvis Green was number three. Jay Haynes was not participating, um, and David Ajamame was kind of down in the pecking order, fourth or fifth. I can't remember which one specifically, maybe even a little lower than that. But um, those were the top three guys so far. But Ajamame is another guy that kind of looks the part. But, again, you know, kind of like linebacker, there's a lot that goes into playing running back, the pass protections and all that. It's not just, as we all know, it's not as simple as just handing the ball off to the guy and letting him run. So it'll be – he's another guy that will be interesting to see how – he soaks everything up, how, how he learns the playbook and the pass protections and where he kind of lands on that depth chart post-spring because he absolutely looks the part. Now it's going to be all about how much he can learn in a, in a, you know over the next few weeks. Anything at quarterback to to note? Uh, Kay Klubnick, how do he look size-wise? Uh, anybody else in the room stand out to you? You know, I, I thought Kay kind of – looked about the same as he did last year from just a physical standpoint. You know, he, he looks like he's taking on a – trying to take on more of a leadership role over there on that side of the ball. It was um, – I don't – Trent, Trent Pyramid didn't work out yesterday, so it was really just um, Klubnik and Vizina that, that were taking the quarterback reps that, that I saw. Um, he's a guy that you need to take a big jump this year. You know, you, you, you hope he can add a little bit of bulk before the ball gets here. And maybe he has, and I, it just doesn't look like it. But um, you, you absolutely want him bigger and stronger to handle some responsibilities in the running game. But he's another guy that's going to be interesting to see how, how he progresses through the spring because he, he, we all – I think we can all agree that his pocket presence needs some improvement. Um, he can improve when it comes to – you know, reading defenses and scanning the field, and there's a lot of growth still that, that he can do. I agree. We can all agree on a lot of that. Uh, Jason Priest, before we let you run, big series down in Columbia tomorrow gets started. Two games down there, and then one game at Doug Kingsmore Stadium when the Clemson Tigers and the South Carolina Gamecocks renew their diamond rivalry. Uh, break this series down a little bit. What What do you think is going to be uh, it's it's you know it's a weird series the way they 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 do especially when they play two games in Columbia. But it has, have you learned enough about Clemson to feel like they're ready for this kind of step up in competition? You know I don't know if we've learned enough yet. I, I, we just haven't seen a whole lot of the. Uh, I haven't seen enough from the starting pitching yet. Let's put it that way. I, I thought Aiden Knott was outright 
dominant last Sunday. I thought Tristan Smith was really good last Sunday, but we we all remember what happened Friday. Um, in Billy Barlow's start, he got he got hit hit pretty good. Um, he he had a pretty rough first inning in his first start. Albeit part of that was due to a fielding error. So so I'm kind of you know I, I'm kind of still waiting to see when it comes to that starting pitching. That would be my biggest question going into this series. Where's where's Clemson? Starting, how are, how is the starting pitchers going to perform this weekend? Um, I think that bullpen's pretty solid. We've we've seen a, you know, we've gotten glimpses of it. Matt Marshall had more, has had one rough outing. Um, I think Lawstad's a guy that's going to really help them out there, and and Ethan Darden too. He's only pitched in the midweek so far, but man, he has been really good out of that bullpen and bust his appearances. But my my biggest question. Going in it is the starting pitch, and obviously, can, can it hold up against a, as you say, step up in competition? Yeah, you know, Dart, I'm glad you mentioned him. I talked about him yesterday. Uh, could you foresee him working his way back into a weekend rotation spot? Maybe not this week, but down the road soon, because, you know, he did that a lot last year, and it just feels like he's he's been the most efficient pitcher so far this season. Yeah, and he kind of, he, he kind of get, he kind of, you know, ends up becoming that forgotten guy. You know, he doesn't get talked about a lot, I guess, because he doesn't have the power arm that some of those other guys do. But, man, is he efficient, like you say. Um, that is the perfect word to describe him. He throws strikes. He, has, he hasn't he has been walking guys. He is he has been tough to hit. Um, he, he has been on top of it with his location. I, you know, if, if some of these other guys aren't where they want them to be, here in a little bit down the road, I could absolutely see him working himself back into that rotation, especially if he keeps performing at the level that we've seen over the first couple of weeks. It's a small sample size, obviously. If he keeps that up, um, yeah, I think sky's the limit for that kid. Jason Priester from com. Go to com. Get the latest from Jason as he's on the beat each and every day recruiting. Uh, baseball, are you going to be at all three this weekend, Jason? Unfortunately not. This will be the first time. I can't remember the last time I didn't make at least one. I have a family thing I've got to do this weekend. I'll be out of town, so I will not be able to make it to any of the three. Oh, and man. How disappointing is that? I, I understand that. Um, it happens, but I know you've you've been in so many of them before. You'll be okay this year, Jason. But I hope the family thing goes well. Find me on Twitter, at JP underscore Priester. As always, my friend, it's good to catch up with you. And hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Take care. Jason Priester from com. When we come back, phone lines are open, 654-ROAR. We'll get into more college football, uh, Clemson football, Clemson baseball, and college basketball. After this, don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Greg Ellie of the Prosperity Group. I'd like to invite you to tune into our radio show, The Prosperity Hour, on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., You'll learn about Social Security, how to maximize it, how to make an asset out of it, how to protect your retirement income and create a pension-like income that you can't outlive for both you and your spouse. I'll show you tax-free strategies that protect you against nursing homes and illnesses. Just give me a call at 864-989-0176 or go to MyMoneyIsSafe.com. 2008 was an incredible year for me and my family. Not only was it the year that I became head coach at Clemson, but it was also the year that I found the only dealership I need for sales and service. Toyota of Easley is my kind of place. If you are considering the purchase of a new or used vehicle or need your current vehicle serviced or repaired, 
then I encourage you to go see the winning team at Toyota of Easley. Be sure and tell them Dabo sent you. Spring is coming, and with it, pollen season. Be ready to rid your ride of pollen by purchasing your Tiger Express Wash Anywhere Unlimited Fast Pass. Visit Tiger Express Wash online or any of their three locations for a pre-purchased monthly pass that can be used as often as you like at all Tiger Express wash sites in Clemson, Pendleton, and Easley. You can be ready in advance with a fast pass from Tiger Express Wash. More locations, same quality care. I'm Will Davis with the Davis Law Group. It's important to me to always remember why we do what we do as litigation attorneys, and that's to help people. But more specifically, is to help people by creating a path forward after a catastrophic event. When someone walks into our office, they've likely experienced the worst day in their life. They've lost a loved one, they're catastrophically injured, or their family's falling apart. The second you walk into our office, you have personal involvement with an attorney. Our personal involvement continues until the case is concluded. Contact us today at davis.law. Let us see how we can help. 59 years is a long time, especially when you're talking about how long a company has been in business. But that's exactly how long Joe Robertson and son have been servicing and installing roofs right here in the upstate. 59 years. That means that many of the roofs you see every day, your neighbors, the roof at your favorite restaurant, even the roofs you're driving past right now are likely a Joe Robertson and son roof. Now, you might be wondering why so many people here in the upstate have chosen Joe Robertson and son for their roofing needs for nearly six decades. And the answer is simple. They were founded on the principles of providing quality workmanship, fair pricing, and complete customer satisfaction. When you work with them, you won't pay a single dime until the job's been completed two your satisfaction. So if you have any roofing needs, do what so many people in the upstate have done for the past 59 years. Make it a Joe Robertson and Son roof. Call 246-0886. That's 246-0886. Or visit robertsonroofing.net. Clemson's new music venue, The Basement, presents Nashville recording artist Trey Lewis live on Friday, March 8th. Doors open at 7 p.m. and show starts at 9. Don't miss Trey Lewis at The Basement. 21 and over, located behind It's Your Wiener Restaurant and Bar. Get your tickets now at thebasementclemson.com. Nashville recording artist Trey Lewis at The Basement in Clemson, Friday, March 8th. Don't miss it. There is a problem with mattresses. The bad ones leave you sleeping in a hole way too quickly, and no one makes flippable mattresses anymore. Engineered Sleep Designs and manufacturers mattresses that solve common issues and sleep comfortably. Whether you prefer firm or soft, they have you covered. Go check out their industry-leading dual mattress and their flippable classic hybrids at 333 North Pleasantburg Drive, Greenville, or visit engineeredsleep.com to learn more. The cold weather is here, and Harrison's is the place to load up on layers. From lightweight, long-sleeve t-shirts to heavy-duty, Sherpa-line coats, and everything in between. Harrison's is the home of work, western, and wow! But nobody does work like we do. FR, high-vis, work boots, and safety shoes of all types, plus a huge selection of workwear for men and women. Harrison's has what you need to work safe and work warm all winter long. Come see us in Spartanburg and Malden, or get free shipping from harrisonsusa.com. Every shot, every block, every game. We're your home for Clemson basketball. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar, where every day is game day.
We're back here live on the Roar, 1047 a.m. Big thanks to Jason Priester there. Appreciate his eyes from yesterday. He was there on the ground watching Clemson's practice. Uh, John, anything stand out to you in terms of some of the guys he he talked about? Uh, I found that the in some of the reporting that I had read, I found the first and second team offensive line groupings to be interesting. Shocker that I would find that to be interesting. Not surprised at all you went that way. It's your birthday, so we'll we'll let you spend oh, some thanks. time on I that. I appreciate if you like. it. <laughs> I speak for everyone. Um, I think because obviously we know Walker Park's not participating. Hearing Marcus Tate at right guard, I found to be very interesting. Okay. To have a the starting unit would have been Tristan Lee at left tackle, Colin Sadler at left guard, Ryan Linthicum at center, Marcus Tate at right guard, Blake Miller at right tackle. The thing I found interesting at the second team unit, it was uh, redshirt freshman Ian Reed at left tackle, Deidre Pennington at left guard, Harris Sewell getting some work at center with the second team. I'm drawing a blank on who was the second team guard right now, and then you had Zach Owens out there at right tackle. To be able to see guys that we did not see on the field last year, hardly at all, Zach Owens and Ian Reed going in as day one of spring ball starting, that they're right there with the twos, I found to be interesting. What do you make of the right tackle, it, it, uh, the second team right tackle? I find it very interesting. Because I, I thought Zach Owens was probably going to be a multi-year project to get him ready to go, to get on the field just with his size and then tearing his ACL in high school at, you know, just to get his body transformed. Yeah. But it sounds like he's kind of ahead of what I thought the timetable would be for him. Is he? Is that his position? Yes. Okay. He's not a left tackle. He's no. not going to be able to move Doesn't quite have, as well. I don't. I don't believe so. Okay. That frame just kind of just screams right tackle to me. Do you feel like Linthicum is starting at center because well he's just been around the longest, or do you think he is going to be the starting center? I think he's earned the opportunity to go out for the first day of this year. Now that Will Putnam has exited the program, so you're not ready to, to call him a starting center. That's what it sounds. No, like. No, I think that there's a battle there. Okay. Between he, Harris Sewell, and Trent Howard. I would agree. Uh, but I, would, I think he has earned the right to start. Because someone's got to go on the field first, right? Yeah. And, I, and he has earned that right. He's, but there's, it's spring ball. There's no reason to limit yourself to just giving reps to one center. Oh, yeah. Or, you'd be crazy to do that. First team reps yeah. to one center. Yeah. Have an open competition. Then you can have a guy who's leader to start the year. But I have no issue with multiple guys getting opportunities there because you're that's what you do in the spring. You you tinker and you play around and you see what guys are capable of and not capable of. So you can move forward with that. Anything else about the offensive line stand out to you? It's it's hard when they don't have the pads on yet. Yeah. They're they're pretty doggone limited right now. <laughs> Which is what you can do in you know, without without pads on. How much you know, blocking and hitting are you really doing? Yeah. True. Um just to answer a question on the text a lot about how much they can do right now during the spring they're, they're under are they still under the 20 hour rule i believe so during the spring i, I, I believe so i believe the 20 hour rule applies in the spring I, yeah because yeah, it's team related activity yeah i would assume that it does you're in school yeah yeah it's it's there's still normal classes going on it's really no different than the yeah fall. and you're not and you're not staying on campus and practicing during spring break yeah they get spring break off like every other student does so yeah, and, no, yeah. They, and they're doing the twenty hour. And, and it's just like when fall camp ends. Fall camp ends because school begins. 
and you're under the 20 hour rule the second even though you're not preparing yet sometimes you have two weeks of practice before you start a season you're under the 20 once classes begin you're under the 20 hour a week rule so I assume that's the same thing that it was instituted because of classes not because of you know they want to limit how much time you get to spend with the as a team yeah good lord only made 24 hours in a day Speaking of education, Davo Sweeney was pretty adamant yesterday when talking about the professionalization of college athletics. He's still not for He's for NIL. He's not for professionalization because of the devaluing of education. Uh, I I feel like we're already at that point. We've devalued that, that scholarship to such a huge degree. I don't think it's right. I'm not in agreement with it whatsoever. I understand Coach Sweeney's point. But I think we've already just opened up Pandora's box on devaluing education. I, I just don't think it's – I think it's so far down the list of priorities in collegiate athletics, especially football right now, that I'm not against the professionalization because I, I think we've already we, we've already done the damage. The damage is already done on making education because these guys can transfer so easily to so many schools. John, that does not benefit you educationally. No, not one, not one bit. Makes it harder. Not all, not all course credits are created equal and transfer to every place equally. Yeah. So I think we've already thrown a lot of that out the window to the degree that, while I understand Coach Sweeney's point, I just, I think we've already done the harm, and so why would we just not move to professionalization at this point? Which we're on that road. Speaking of that road, John. <laughs> We were talking about the 14-team playoff. Do you recall that? <laughs> yes, I recall. I had that uh, line from our good friend David Hill over at ESPN uh, where he was talking about the uh, admitting that you are the second-rate second, second rate citizen in college football if you're the ACC. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of problems with that, with that and the Big 12 in general having to do that. Because then I'm just wondering, like, what? Why are you even structured the way you're structured at this point? Why are you uh, pretending to be? Because that's what you do. You're pretending to be the Big Ten in the SEC, but you're having all your terms dictated to you. That being said, though, um, what could come of this is one of the things on the table in this story from Heather Denich of ESPN when discussing the future of the game. We talk about the 14 team playoff and what all that's going to mean. Uh, they are talking about the revenue share model with that playoff, John, by the way. Uh, the ballpark figures, the early numbers that are coming out, and they're going to be disputed and they're going to be fault and whatnot. But you're looking at the SEC and Big Ten getting between 25 and 30% of the revenue. ACC and Big 12 would get about 15 to 20%. And then that leaves a really small, tiny chunk, 6 to 10 for the other leagues and nearly 1% for Notre Dame. So, I just want to read to you what what was in the story. But what else was in the story that was fascinating to me is that uh, a source tells Heather Denich that chancellors and presidents from some of these power schools are discussing the potential of pulling away. Saying in the story that one high-ranking official involved told ESPN that presidents and chancellors are having the conversations about whether to continue their NCAA membership. It's a move that would impact and could possibly derail the TV agreement. Quote, those conversations are happening and feel pretty strongly about pulling away. I'd say very strongly 
end quote. Your response to that, John? Can we just hurry up and get there? <laughs> That's no fun. The whole point is if, to if go If we're going to do this, then let's just do this. I... Are we doing this? Yes, we are. Do we, we are. We, 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 have, we have shown in just the last six months, and it has been proven in a court of law, that the NCAA serves zero purpose other than organizing a basketball tournament. And some other sports. Yeah. Soccer, lacrosse, Organizing uh, Organizing softball. postseason tournaments that are not the college Baseball. football playoff. Yes. Let me rephrase my sentence there. Yeah. So let's just do it. Let's break away. Football needs to break away. It, it's time. It's, it's it's past time, to be honest with you. And part of the reason is they they can't ever agree on anything because there's there's simply you don't know who who has the power, who has the say. Well, now we're getting some clear indications what leagues are running the country, and they're they're in in their talks they're having this week. They're discussing the thought of doing away with some of the voting processes. Like, you don't have to have a unanimous 11 people on board. 11 of the representatives had to vote unanimously to pass something. Right, because that annoying Pac-2 thing is just derailing everything and we're, we're yes. tired of it? Yes. We're but, tired of Washington State and Oregon State standing up for themselves, so we're going to dictate the terms even more so to where we, they don't even have a voice that matters? Yes. Schultz ruined it from Washington State because he took a stand and fought for his people. You got to bend the knee. We are so broken. You got to bend the knee. Take whatever they give you. Be happy with it. Enjoy that little crumb they dropped at your plate. You got to take that now. So they're, they're really, because of Schultz taking a stand and kind of going through a dog and pony show because he wanted some, some that's literally his job. I, I give him credit for doing his job. Fighting yeah, oh, absolutely. School. I wholeheartedly supported everything that Oregon State and Washington State did to make it just even a little bit more difficult for the other 10 teams. Especially because there's some some people who aren't doing anything at all and watching this crumble around them. But he did his job, and they are so mad about it, they're going to change the the voting structure on how they pass things. We all know what the voting structure and how they pass things is going to be. Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti, Notre Dame. I want. Huh. That's it. That's the structure, my friend. I want to read a section here from this article. The math isn't clean, sources caution, as some money needs to go to expenses and to places like the other remaining independent, which is UConn, Ooh. LOL. But those are the general financial ballparks being discussed. This was after you said the 25 to 30% going to the SEC and Big Ten. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has made it clear that the SEC has delivered 40% of the teams in the playoff, and he has been one of the primary drivers behind a new revenue model. As always with money, this isn't simple, but the ranges are being narrowed in. Propaganda's pretty good, man. If you use it the right way, you can do a lot of things with it. <laughs> you can get a whole bunch of people to buy in that you're just simply better than everybody else, and you deserve way more. Of the piece of the pie. Not not a little sliver more. Way more. And you can dictate the terms. And you can decide the future and the structure of college sports. That's what happened here, John. They, the SEC has convinced everyone that they are just simply better than everyone else. Whether or not you can prove it factually... You know? I mean, I know... I know because it's all, it's all self-serving, right? You get yes. more teams in the playoff because of your... 
your publicity and your narratives and everything surrounding you, so therefore you win more titles because you have more odds or you have more teams. If you think about it, you created a narrative out there where, where the world couldn't possibly fathom not putting in an SEC team in this college football playoff this not year. Not putting Bama in there this year with Nick Saban as head coach. Phone lines are open. We'll go straight there to kick off hour number three when things get started here in just a few moments on The Roar. Don't go anywhere. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville-Anderson, WAHT-AM 1560-K.